grateful that you are not dead, but you are risen. And for that reason, we celebrate. Now, God, bless the proclamation of your word. May you be glorified in it. May your people be blessed. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, happy Resurrection Sunday morning. And thank you so much, Trio. It's just a small, outstanding job. Y'all went to a whole new level. Amen. And to our ushers, thank you as well. Matthew chapter 28, verse 6. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. I want to preach with the help of the Holy Spirit, and I solicit your prayers from the subject, Challenges from the Resurrection. Challenges, challenges from the resurrection. Today is that great day we have all been waiting for. It's resurrection Sunday morning. Thanks to um, our associate pastors last week who preached their hearts out during Holy Week. Um, taking us from Palm Sunday up to the crucifixion. And then again this morning, Pastor Trudell uh, preaching concerning the, the resurrection. But it's been a great, it's been a great week. Yeah. So we've gone through Holy Week. We, but now the death and the burial of Jesus Christ is behind us. So for the rest of the story, please turn your attention Once again, to the words of Matthew chapter 28, and listen as Matthew shares the dramatic story of Jesus's resurrection. And and I know you are like me. This story grips you no matter how many times you read it, um, how much you hear it. It always grips us. After Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb. And while they were there, a violent earthquake happened. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled the stone from the door and set upon it. And as I went through this text, I began to wonder, was the earthquake caused by the power of the angel? But, but it happened at that time. And Matthew records that the appearance of this angel was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The Roman soldiers, the guards, those menaces who had been assigned by Pilate to watch the tomb. Pilate was, was, was paranoid and so were uh, the Romans and so were the Jewish leaders. Uh, there was a rumor circulating that, 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 that perhaps some of the followers of Jesus would be so bold as to come and to, to steal his body away. So, so Pilate gave com- uh, permission to, to seal the stone, the, the tomb with a stone and put the Roman seal on it. But the soldiers, the guards assigned by Pilate, Washington were so afraid of what they heard and what they saw 
that they went into convulsion, they lost consciousness, and they appeared to be dead. With these menaces lying helplessly on the ground, the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. He must have seen the look in their eyes. He must have experienced their intenseness. I mean, you can, uh, you can imagine all that they've been through and what they just seen and seen the angels. So he put them at ease saying, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus. They had a passion for Jesus. They had a love for Jesus. They were faithful followers of Jesus. They were committed uh, to Jesus and they, they had come. And so the angel said, I know that you're looking for Jesus. Who was crucified? Don't you love it? The angel did not skirt over the issue. He did not dodge reality. Oh, yes, he was crucified. But the angel said, he is not here. He has risen as he said. Come and see the place where he lay past tense. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So these faithful and focused women hurried away from the tomb. Scripture says, afraid, yet filled with joy. They ran to tell his disciples of the good news. Don't you love that? That they, they ran. The angel said, go quick. They ran to tell his disciples. Of the the good news. But something happened. In the midst of their running. To meet the disciples. Something happened. Pastor Trudell preached this morning. About strange happenings. Strange occurrences. This this thing happened. While they were en route. To meet Jesus. Jesus met them. Jesus met them. And said. Rejoice. So they came to him. They held him by the feet and they worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them in verse 10, do not be afraid. Go. Go and tell. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Now, the amazing thing is that although this story is 2,000 years old, it's an old, old story. And although this story has been preached, you've heard it many times. It has been taught. You've heard it through the years. It has been read countless times. I'm sure that there are countless books in libraries on the computer all over the world about this this same story. Perhaps some of your grandmothers and, and, and mothers and grandfathers and fathers, Sunday school teachers, pastors, preachers told you this story. You've read it numerous times yourselves. Such being the case, as I read this story, I found that there Uh, numerous challenges, but there are three challenges in this text that rise to the surface and that beg for attention. You read this story, there there are numerous, but there are three, there are three 
challenges in this text that will rise uh, to the surface that kind of jumps off the page and they leap at you and they beg for your attention and my attention. What are these three challenges of the resurrection? Well, I'm glad you asked. So for the remainder of my time, I'm going to share the answer. The first challenge from the resurrection is a challenge to come and see. You see that in the text? That, that's a challenge. That's, that's, that's more than an invitation. That's a challenge to come and see. To come and see what? Come and see that God is a promise-keeping God. When Deacon McKay was praying this morning, he talked about a God that keeps his promises. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Come and see that God is a promise-keeping God. Come and bear witness to the truth, excuse me, that what God says he will do, he will do. Come and see for yourself. Then you will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God can always be trusted to come through, follow through, and carry through on his word. But you got to come and see. You, you got to come, you got to come and see that, that God can always be trusted to come through, to follow through, to carry through on his word every time, all the time. You know, throughout the annals of biblical history, throughout annals of biblical history, there has never been a time when God did not come through or make good on his promises. Now, one time that God not come through or that God did not make good on his promises. Notice what the angel did in verse 6. He, he challenged the women to enter the tomb and get a first-hand look for themselves that the tomb was empty. He challenged them. Had they not accepted the challenge to enter the tomb, had they not become eyewitnesses to the reality that Jesus had risen from the dead, all they would have been able to do is to report what the angel said. Some would just call that hearsay. Some would call would have called what the women had to say unfounded information or an unconfirmed report. But because these bright, these brave, and these bold women took the challenge, they became eyewitnesses to the resurrection event that changed the course of history forever. They were privet. They were privet. They, they had to accept the challenge. The challenge came through an invitation. They accepted the challenge, and because they accepted the challenge, they were privy to the verification substantiation and confirmation 
of the fact that Jesus Christ, Messiah, Savior of the world, had indeed risen from the grave just as he said he would. I mean, just notice his promise. His promises where he said in John 2.19 to his haters and to those who were intent on destroying him. Notice his promise to those who who had had enough of his righteousness, enough of his holiness, enough of his preaching, enough of his teaching, uh, those who, who hated him. Jesus said to them, words of a promise, destroy this temple. In three days, I will raise it up. He was talking about his body. Resurrection reminds us, y'all, that God is a promise-keeping God. Whatever he says he will do, he will do. You can count on it. Now, here we are some 2,000 years later. And the tomb stands as a monumental, it's still standing as a monumental reminder of the promise of Jesus to die on the cross to save us from sin as well as the power of God to raise him up again. That, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? Listen, the empty tomb challenges Every doubter, every skeptic, every naysayer, every critic to examine the evidence. Come see for yourself that he's alive. He still saves those who trust in him. It's amazing, but movies have been made and books have been written by skeptics and about skeptics who rejected the whole idea of Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection from the grave. But when they examined the evidence and saw for themselves, if they were truthful with themselves, they would have to accept that he is alive. The second challenge from the resurrection is to go and tell. That just kind of jump, kind of jumps up off the page, off the scriptures to you. Go and tell. That's a challenge to the women. Go and tell. Verse seven, the angel said, "And go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and indeed is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. I have told you." Now, this angelic admonishment for the women to go quickly and to tell the disciples that Jesus was alive was essential because of all they had been through. And notice the angel said, you go, you go tell them quickly. Go, go tell them quickly. It was essential that they go quickly and tell because of all they had been through. You see, for them, Friday had been a total disaster. It had been a total disaster. Friday was one of those days that was 
ingrained in their minds and on their hearts. Friday was the day that all of their dreams and aspirations went up in smoke. Friday was the day that they were distraught and despondent and even depressed. You see, they had witnessed the suffering of Jesus firsthand. They had watched him being insulted as well as assaulted. They heard the hateful, the hideous, and the harsh, and the hurtful things being said to Jesus and about Jesus. Just recount and recall how it makes you feel to hear hurtful and hateful and harsh and harmful things being said about someone you have grown to love and to trust. Well, they heard it all. They heard belligerence. They heard blatant, outright cursing Every despicable thing you could hear said about someone, they heard it. They heard the hateful, the hideous, the harsh things being said to Jesus and about Jesus and and the Roman soldiers and the religious leaders were not shy about what they said. They had no respect for his mother. They had no Respect for his followers. They had no respect for women and children. They said whatever they wanted to say. And the sad reality is, was they gained the approval and the applause of the onlookers. They saw the Savior being spat upon. They saw him struck in the face. They saw him beaten and battered and and bruised. And and Friday night, as the clip was shown about, about the lashes on his back, they were there. They saw that. They saw the, 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 the his skin being torn and his blood. They saw the stripes that Isaiah said would heal us. By his stripes, we are healed. He was bruised for our transgressions. Wounded, they saw it all. Imagine Mary standing there, seeing it all. They stood helplessly by as Roman soldiers mercilessly drove spikes into his hand and into his feet nailing the body of Jesus to the cross. They saw every tear, heard every cry of Jesus as they stood helplessly and hopelessly by. You see, y'all, words don't do adequate justice to the horror Jesus' disciples experienced on, on Friday. Their dream Their dreams on Friday, their dreams disappeared. Their hopes dissipated. Their optimism dispersed. Their sense of of meaning and purpose in life disbanded. All because of the violent killing of Jesus on the cross. 
So it was with great purpose and great enthusiasm and great need. So it was that the angel said in verse 7 to the women, go quickly. As, much, as to say, they've had enough. Go quickly. It's been dark enough. Go quickly. They've been depressed enough. Go quickly. It's been long enough. Go quickly. They need some good news. Is anybody here, you've ever needed some good news? Everything that could go wrong went wrong. It was dark and gloomy and dreary. You needed some good news. So here's, here's a realism. There are men in the world today like the disciples who have lost their way. You, you know some of them, perhaps some of them are, are family members. They've lost their way. Some of them are co-workers. They lost their way. And listen, don't be fooled by the fancy cars they drive. They're lost. Don't be fooled by the gated communities and the, and the large homes they live in. They are lost. Don't be fooled or consumed by job titles. They are lost. The men in the world today, like the disciples, have lost their way and, and are, are living day by day in a perpetual state of pessimism so many people unhappy so many people living the blues so many people down and out pessimism some have had families and lost them some had jobs they had lucrative careers and and lost them some had great opportunities Wonderful pathways to success. Some had it made, but they blew it. Some were once living large. Now they are living lousy. Some were king of the hill, but now they are struggling in the valley. One of the things I learned about homeless people some years ago, growing up, I always thought that homeless people somehow or another were always down and out, always like that. But, but many people who are homeless were once living large. But now, struggling in the valley. You see, y'all, some have long since watched their hopes and dreams fade into the distant sunset of yesteryear. But here's the challenge from the resurrection. Here's the challenge to the church, to Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church, to the church universal, the, the church all around the world. Here is the challenge to those who know Jesus and the transforming power of his love and his grace and his mercy, if you know of his love, if you know of his grace, if you know of his mercy firsthand, he's loved you. He's been gracious to you. You, 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 you don't deserve all you have, but you know it's because of God's grace. For those of us who know his mercy, those of us 
us who know we have blown and we have messed up. Here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. The challenge is to tell the loss, the least, the lonely, the brokenhearted, those who are down and out, those who feel like nobody cares about them, those who others won't even be bothered with. The challenge for us from the text is to go quickly. You know where they are. You, you know who they are. You, you're working with them. You, you're living around them. Some of them are even in your family. Go quickly. Tell them that there is hope. There is help. There is healing found in the love, the mercy, and the grace of Jesus. And when they ask you, how do you know? You can tell them that I am an eyewitness. I know for myself because he loved me. In the midst of my mess, he loved me. He was gracious towards me. All that I have been through, but yet I have so much. It was his grace. You can tell them quickly that it was his mercy. How do you know? Because he was merciful for me. To me, I don't deserve to be here. I don't deserve how God is blessing me. I should have been dead and gone. Because of his mercy. You can tell them that, that, that his grace, his, his mercy, his love, just like it worked for me, it'll work for you. Tell them that Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you Rest if you are tired of doing life your way, your your way is not working. If you're tired of trying to make it work, if you're tired of trying to live without Jesus, tell them that Jesus said, Come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest. For your souls, tell them that Jesus said, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Go quickly and tell them that we serve the God of another chance. That's what the women did. They went in to tell them that our God reigns. He is the God of another chance. Listen, Friday, it looked bad, but because he's alive, we have another chance. He destroyed death and grave and the hell and hell. We have another chance. Destroyed hell for those who trust in him. You see... You can tell them, Dr. Williams, that failure does not have to be final. Y'all going to make me shout this early in the morning. Failure does not have to be final. In fact, failure is not final. Resurrection proves that it is not final. On Friday, it looked like it was final. But on Sunday, we know. 
that he got up from that grave with all power in his hand. You see, the third challenge from the resurrection is to bow and worship. Verse 9 states, and as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, rejoice. So they came, held him by the feet, and worshiped him. Notice several important factors about verse 9. First, they came to him. That means the women collectively together placed themselves in the presence of Jesus for the purpose of worshiping him. Likewise, we as believers in Jesus Christ should collectively enter his gates with thanksgiving in our hearts and into his courts with praise. We ought to shout, this is the day that the Lord has made. It's resurrection day. This is the day that the Lord has made. This is the day that God has given us another chance to have life. This is the day I shall rejoice. Be glad in it. Go rejoice. I don't know what all is happening on Capitol Hill, but I I rejoice in spite of it. I'm going to rejoice because this is the day that the Lord has made. He's given us another chance. He's blessed us to be here just one more time. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Second, they took hold of his feet. That means they got down. They humbled themselves in the presence of Jesus. And humbled themselves in the presence of Jesus. The women did just as the hymn writer expressed with the words, I love this hymn all to Jesus. Arrogant people not going to say that. All to Jesus. Prideful people are not going to say that. All to Jesus. People who think they got life by the horns will not say that, but his followers will. All to Jesus. I surrender. Humbly at his feet. I bow. Worldly pleasure. All for thinking. Jesus. Take me, Jesus. Take me now. Take my life and let it be consecrated. Lord, to thee. Take my moments. Take my days. Take my life and let it be consecrated to you. And third, they worshiped him. In other words, the women made a public declaration, a collective affirmation, and a personal application to the reality that Jesus was who he claimed to be. That is, he lived a sinless life. He died a mortal's death on the cross. He died to pay your sin debt and and mine. They laid his lifeless body in the grave in a borrowed tomb. But that's not how the story ends. Because three days later, early on Sunday morning, early on Sunday morning, he got up from the grave with all power in his hands and because he lives we can face tomorrow because he lives our fear is gone because we know he holds the future he holds our future y'all that's resurrection reminds us that he holds our future not a man not a woman but our risen savior holds our future not the white house not the state house not the capital, but God, Jesus, holds our future. And life 
through some problems on the job, but life, you might be having challenging times, but life is worth living. Oh, because 